What's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday. Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. And this week I have a Cleveland sports talk guy, as well as he works for American betting experts, Josh Widman. We got We're gonna jump right in, but Josh, give me the feeling. You got your Cleveland gear on right now. What has it been like this past weekend after p- pulling off a monumental upset? It has been great. It has been absolutely fantastic. Sunday night was the best night I've had as a Browns fan. That's phenomenal. But we're gonna jump right in. So let's start with the Browns. Is the Browns as Juju Smith-Schuster quite called it, and Baker Mayfield came out of into the post game with a little bit of vengeance with the Browns is the Browns little jab at Juju a 48 to 37 victory where Pittsburgh was down the entire game it was 28 to 0 after the first quarter and you knew it was going to be a rough night for Pittsburgh as Pouncey snaps the ball over Roethlisberger's head into the end zone for a touchdown Give me your insight that what you've seen from as a Cleveland sports talk guy as well as what what is the an essence of this Cleveland Browns team? And what did you see in that matchup this past Sunday night? Well, going into the game, obviously, you know about the shorthanded roster with COVID. Half their coaches are gone, including Stefanski, who is their play caller. But even through all that, they still, I thought, had a puncher's chance. They needed things to go their way. They needed to take care of the ball and they needed to cause some turnovers, force some turn- turnovers out of Big Ben. I could not have dreamed that start on the first play of the game funny story actually in between the saints bears game and the browns game my parents are watching 60 minutes i come downstairs in my browns jersey ready to go it's 8 13 and i see some politician on the screen i'm like what what is what, the browns game like i know you don't want to watch like the whole pregame but it's about to start the first browns game in almost two decades browns playoff game in two decades and you have 60 minutes on. You can watch 60 minutes tomorrow. And I flip the TV on, kick off. Big Ben takes a snap, goes over his head. And we're like, Dad, like, had you, had you not, had we not had the TV on for the first snap, you would have been banished to the basement. Uh, so incredible start. Couldn't have dreamed that up. And then on the next possession, a pick. I, it, was, it was an incredible start. Perfect start. I, I I can't describe it honestly. It was just I was in awe. I it was like 18 years of frustration just being taken out on the Steelers. Yeah, it was the first playoff game since your last matchup in against Pittsburgh in the early 2000s. Your first win in a playoff game since '95, and when you beat with Bill Belichick as the coach, first road win since 1969. Just. Josh, after the ball goes over his head, is it? Were you like, is it? Is this destiny tonight? Because it almost felt like destiny. Like the first play, it can't go any more perfect, right? So, what what was you going through your head? Like, like I said, it was just shock. Because with the Browns, even though this Browns team is different, Stefanski, Andrew Barry, Baker Mayfield, everybody, it's just been a different year. And it's great to see, but they are the Browns. So there was a bit of doubt creeping in the back of your head. But immediately I thought, okay, you're quick score for the defense. You're up seven, nothing, any nerves that there are gone, any jitters, you can relax. You're up seven, nothing. Like I said, ideal start going, what's going through my head. I'm thinking, let's go, let's get this show on the road. We're here. We're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then 
What do you? What was your overall uh, impression of Pfeiffer taking over the team on such a short, a short like very last second? Stefanski and pretty much they had nobody out there. Like they had a a graduate assistant coaching the offensive line. They were they were talking about it with Collinsworth and uh, so I was and Michaels. Where what did this coaching staff show to you? How prepared they were? I know they did play Pittsburgh last week. Do you feel like that helped? Or because they didn't see Big Ben, or you didn't see T.J. Watt, K- uh, Casey Hayward, etc. in the in the matchup before. It just shows how far the organization has come. The Browns of old lose this game, and they probably lose it pretty badly, especially to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. But it just shows you Stefanski, Andrew Berry, even the Haslam's. It's just a totally different organization. It's a team. The coaching staff is all on the same page. All the players are on the same page. It's, it's amazing. It's, a, it's really amazing to see how far the Browns have come, especially in the crazy season that we've had with COVID and the minimized training camps and all that other stuff that makes this season unlike any other. Truly amazing. And you guys were the only team that had to go through two position. Well, not two position groups, but two groups. You had your coaching staff and then the Jets game, you had no wide receivers. So you guys were the epitome as well as Baltimore and Tennessee having to deal with the whole COVID pandemic. Just what was the overall impression that you've gotten from this team? And just talk to me a little bit about Baker Mayfield and his transition now and his as a quarterback. Like I said, this team is just different. The Browns of old fold, and they probably get embarrassed. But this team is just different. Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, who stepped in as the play caller, Joe Woods, even the defensive coordinator, Baker, has grown so much, both as a leader and as a quarterback this season. The second half of the season, he was one of the best quarterbacks. I'm not going to put a number on it. I'm not going to say top 10, whatever. But he was playing like a Pro Bowl-type quarterback, keeping his team in the games, not turning the ball over, which has been a problem of his coming into this season. Just – it. I, I can't – I don't know what to say other than keep going. We want more. Yeah, now you guys have Kansas City. What are your expect, expectations there? I know Chase Claypool came out yesterday and said they're going to get romped. I mean, that's just a little bit of a sore loser type-esque from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but what are your expectations? Well, I'll, address, I'll address Claypool first. What I would say to him is, well, you say that we're going to get clapped or the Browns are going to get clapped, but didn't you just get clapped by your rival – who had one day of practice down half their coaches and down to their third backup offensive lineman. You forget Joel Batonio, longest tenured Brown pro bowl type player is out to start the game before the game starts. Then you lose his replacement and you lose Jack Conklin. You have mm-hmm. a guy Blake uh, Hans, who like, if you watch the game, you saw Baker said he introduced himself to Blake before the game. Stefanski hasn't even met him. All of that, all of those obstacles, and they still beat beat down the Pittsburgh Steelers. But going on to Kansas City, you know, any team is going to have trouble stopping the defending champs. Uh, there are ways to, I think, slow them down and maybe even beat them. The Browns possess some of those tools. They have an elite running game, maybe the best in the NFL. You run the ball the way the Browns can. You keep Mahomes off the field. You have a defense, while not great statistically, does take the ball away. So if you can force a couple turnovers from Mahomes, 
That'd be that'd be uh, a way to get them off the field and also prevent them from putting points on the board. And you have a quarterback that has shown the ability to take care of the ball. You can't make mistakes against Kansas City. You need to force them to make mistakes. You need to somehow gain an advantage in one way or another. You're not going to outscore Kansas City. So they have a chance. I'm not going to come out and predict a win or anything. That would be, yeah, that would be, of course. That would be heinous. That would be <laughs> heinous. But I think the Browns can hang in it. They can definitely give Kansas City a run for their money. I think it should be a really good game. I agree. I think uh, especially I think people have finally put Cleveland on notice. I think after that Jets loss, not taking into account, you didn't have a single wide receiver on the field. Not I think to people, mention, people jumped ship. I, I know people started jumping ship. They're like, they got to play Pittsburgh next week, even with Mason Rudolph. I feel, to, you can see people not jumping. To, not to mention that they didn't know they were going to be without all those wide receivers till what, like 36 hours, 24 hours before the game. So, you know, you have a full week to prepare for that. It might come out with a bit different result, but you get a day and a half to prepare. Like the Jets, you know, they only had one win at the time, but there's still NFL players on that team. Yeah, I agree. So let's transition to your one of your other AFC North rivals, Baltimore. They ended up taking down the Tennessee Titans 20 to 13. This was one of my predictions. I thought Baltimore was going to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulders, a revenge game. I didn't think it was going to be escalated to the way that they treated their revenge with them celebrating on the logo as Tennessee did that in warmups in the regular season matchup. Uh, just give me an, uh, an overall gist of what you saw. What was your biggest takeaway from Ravens Titans? Was it Lamar Jackson or was it the whole uh, shenanigans that took place at the end of the game? It's got to be Lamar Jackson. The narrative is that he can't play from behind. Uh, he proved people wrong. You know, you're not – if you get down a certain amount, you're not going to come back if you're playing a good team anyways. But he was down 10. Things weren't looking very good. He threw that pick. They just kind of fluttered in the air. But he came back. He stopped being whatever people wanted him to be. He is supremely talented. He is the only person on the planet that can do what he does. He's the only one that can look, look, go through the first three reads, pull it down, and just zoom 40 yards into the end zone. So my takeaway is that Lamar Jackson is one of the best players on the planet. Only he can do what he can do. And good for him for finally getting the monkey off his back, winning a playoff game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that touchdown run for 48 yards was lightning in a bottle. He had, he outran six guys to that corner of the end zone, which was, I don't think anybody can really do that. Let alone the running backs on that roster. Right. And like even Hollywood Brown is their fastest wide receiver. So I mean, I've been preaching this uh, on my po- on this podcast that Greg Roman needs to n- let Lamar Jackson just be the greatest player on the field. It doesn't matter if he's going to throw the ball or if he's going to run the ball. He's the best player. He stepped on the field probably outside of Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah, I and, that, and that's I even sold, debatable. Right. I as as a Browns fan, I sold my soul this August to draft Lamar Jackson in my fantasy league. I drafted the Ravens quarterback in my fantasy league. So I'd be rooting for the Ravens' success. The last month and a half of Lamar Jackson is what I envisioned in August. I even drafted Hollywood Brown. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I looked like a genius. Too bad I missed the playoffs because they weren't like this all season long. Too little, too late at that point. Too little, too late, but I'm happy for Lamar Jackson. Anytime a good athlete, you know, changes the narrative about them, I'm happy because I think it was a little, a little much. 
uh, all the people hopping on Lamar for not being able to win a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. And then you guys also beat the Titans this year. So yep. what what was the pr- perspective on how they were able to basically shut them down? Because Derrick Henry had his longest carry was eight yards uh, this past Sunday. Is is it just Derrick Henry and that's it for Tennessee? Because it looked that's all it looked like to me. Ryan Tannehill was non-existent on Sunday. Yeah, it was really impressive. Uh, Derrick Henry, obviously, the focal point of the offense. If you can contain him, or even I would even say shut down, like you said, the way that the Ravens did. You you change Tennessee's offense. Ryan Tannehill's no scrub. Yeah. But if you can force him to throw the ball 30, 40 times in a game, your chances of beating Tennessee greatly improve. And Tennessee's defense, not 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 good. So as long as Lamar played well, he played well enough yesterday, they were gonna win. As long as they took care of the ball and contained Derrick Henry, I thought they were gonna win. They did more than that, and you saw that Baltimore won. Yeah, I agree. So, and it just showcased the ability that I think the Derrick Henry, he was the, he, he, this was the first time a, and none of his offensive linemen were in the Pro Bowl. That's the first time in history for a running back to rush for 2000 yards and the linemen didn't get any recognition. And you could see that defensive fresh front push the offensive line around, which really hinders Derrick Henry's ability because he's more of a locomotive. He's got to get mm-hmm. going, and then once he gets going, you can't tackle him. So yep. I think it was a unique perspective to see how Baltimore was really able to shut him down because in those previous two meetings, going back to last year's playoff game as well, they had no answers. So do you feel like the revenge – it was a more of a revenge factor that many people didn't take notice of? Um, I'm sure that that played a part in it for sure, and especially in a game like this where they're familiar with each other going back to last year's playoffs and the regular season matchup. But I think the addition of Clay's Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe uh, really changed the game for the Ravens. In the offseason, they, they got Campbell probably specifically for a game like this. And yeah. they also traded for Ngakwe for probably a game like this too. So good move, good moves by the Baltimore GM. But uh, yeah, I would say revenge a little bit too, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's transition to the team that they're going to be facing up against. They're going to be playing the Buffalo Bills. They took down the Indianapolis Colts 27-24. That's their first playoff win in 25 years. They had fans in the stands for the first time this season. And I feel like more than anything, this wasn't really Buffalo winning the game. It more looked like Indianapolis kind of lost it. A lot of questionable calls there, especially that fourth and goal from the five. You go for it. Rivers misses Michael Pittman. That's three points off the board. Then Josh Allen ended up taking them down the field, which was ended up being a 10 points, 10 to 14 point swing. Then playing in ships misses an extra point. The difference of the game is three. Like that's six to 10 points right there that could easily have swung the game the other direction. What was your overall impression of the Bills Colts matchup? Definitely the game of the weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, the Bills found a way to win. And it doesn't matter if it's by three touchdowns or by three points. Come playoff time, you got to find a way to win. Josh Allen, the Bills, found a way to win. Uh, Indianapolis, obviously, there's some questionable decisions, like you mentioned. Rodrigo Blankenship, the reliable kicker, also missed a field goal, I believe. Yep. So that would have – that would have that's three points also in favor of the Colts. But the one thing that struck me the most was the fumble failure to realize that that was a fumble after the review on Pascal at the end of the game. 
imagine you're a Bills fan. And I, I can relate because I'm a Browns fan. You haven't won a playoff game in two decades. And it's a clear call. He's up. The ball comes out. You're thinking, no way. Not like this. Not like this. Not again. Didn't matter. Jordan Poyer, I believe, knocked it down. Bills found a way to win in the playoffs in any sport. March Madness at the NFL, the NBA, MLB. Survive in advance. Just end up with more than the other team, and you're on to the next round. Yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done. And as long and, as you get it done. Yeah, absolutely. And then looking from just on the Colts' perspective, I mean, Josh Allen was making some throws that were absolutely ridiculous to Gabriel Dallas Davis on a couple of those plays. I mean, he's probably the only quarterback, was again, outside of Mahomes, that could probably make a couple of those throws. Right. And then um, from the Colts' perspective, I felt like, I know Frank Wright, he's a Buffalo legend in lore. I almost felt like a couple of those plays, almost he was like, I'm reluctant, but I kind of want to help out Buffalo too at the same time. And then for me, Phillip Rivers, he answered every question that I wanted answered. He didn't lose the game. He played really well. And I think I think Indianapolis probably won't give him another chance. Do you think Phillip Rivers will still be in the league next year, or do you think that was it? That's a tough question because he got them to the playoffs. He played well enough. He didn't lose the game for them, like you mentioned. He kept them in it. Phillip Rivers is a gamer. He every I think last year with the Chargers, I think most of their losses were by one possession. He keeps it close, even if you know the arm strength isn't there, the mobility isn't there, never really was, but definitely isn't there anymore. Yeah, that's that's a tough question. It depends on how Indianapolis Indianapolis views him. Do they think that they can contend for a Super Bowl with Phillip Rivers as their starting quarterback? Because based on what they have around, Jonathan Taylor is RB1 now. Clear, cut. Even when Marlon Mack comes back, Jonathan Taylor, RB1. You can probably get him another receiver. T.Y. Hilton's good. Michael Pittman's solid. But you can probably get him another one, another decent one. The defense is legit. The offensive line is one of the best, if not the best, in the league. So this team is ready to go, ready to compete for AFC South titles and AFC titles. Just depends on if the Colts view him as the guy that can get them to the next place. Yeah. Would you bring him back? Well, if you're the GM right now, would you bring him back? I, I explore my options. I okay. explore my options, whether that be through the draft, free agency, or trying to trade for somebody. I, I explore my options. Uh, if I believe that Phillip Rivers is the best out of those options, obviously you bring him back. Yeah. I agree. So let's jump now to the NFC. Um, let's start with the first game, which was probably the upset of the weekend, without a doubt. Uh, not not besides the Browns game, excuse me. Definitely from the NFC perspective. Rams versus Seahawks. They ended up winning 30-20. to 20. Russell Wilson got outplayed by Jared Goff, who can't move his thumb. You can see how he was throwing the ball. He could not throw the ball consistently. It was probably two passes okay, two passes where were those going. And Jared Goff still outplayed him. Cameron Akers, absolute stud. He's been, has now transitioned, as you mentioned, uh, to the clear RB1 for Los Angeles. And this defense, I mean, they did take some injuries potentially with Aaron Donald, uh, either in his abdomen area. What, what did you get most out of that? Was it more bad Seahawks or good Rams? The takeaway for me is get Russell Wilson some protection. My man was running for his life 
all game long. Every time I turn on a Seahawks game over the last couple of years, I always see Russell Wilson running for his life. And that's not because he's trying to run for first down. He's trying to evade people like Aaron Donald coming at him. You have weapons. You have Tyler Lockett. You have DK Metcalf, Hollister, David Moore. But if you don't have time to get to throw the ball to those weapons, they're useless. I'm a big, big like a supporter of the quarterback is important, but you need stuff around him. It's not like basketball where LeBron James can just take it down the court and score through people. In order for the quarterback to succeed, you need to have people to throw to and give him time to throw. That's why going back to the Browns, Baker was erratic at times last year because the protection was awful. And now you see the running game is elite and Baker has been really good because of the revamped offensive line, but props to Jared Goff. Like you said, his thumb, I, I can't imagine the pain that he was going through, but he's a gamer came in on the road against a division opponent and outplayed one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So props to Jared Goff respect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, we learned a lot about the Rams. I think the Rams defense has showcased now that they can carry them to a Super Bowl if they have to. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. They had a pick six. I mean, who gets a pick six on a on a wide receiver screen? Yeah. Like that's absolutely absurd in in and itself. But I think what did your what is your takeaway that Jalen Ramsey absolutely shut down DK Metcalf? Other than that one play, they scored the touchdown, and Ramsey wasn't covering him on that play, so. What is your takeaway from this Rams defense? Defense can still win championships, uh, both in college and the NFL. Offense is kind of taking taking the spotlight, but defense can still win championships. Like you said, this defense is capable if they get good enough play from their quarterback, can take them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's transition now to the uh, other side of the spectrum let's go with bucks versus washington bucks ended up winning that game 31 23 and this is probably one of the more interesting games especially when you're getting more praise out of a, a out of the team that lost that game because taylor heineke came out he wasn't supposed to play we all thought it was going to be alex smith he ended up getting injured came back in still made this game a very competitive one and I think for the Buccaneers, I think it raised a little bit of some red flags that Taylor Heineke was able to kind of move the ball consistently on this uh, Bucks defense. So what what did you see out of Washington and the Bucks? Well, I'll start with Washington first. Taylor Heineke, whether he's starting or backup, he played himself onto a roster for next season. Very impressed against a good team. The Buccaneers, you know, the defense might not be elite, but it's definitely not bad. In a playoff game, what is it, his second career start, I think it was? Yep. Uh, very impressed. Washington is legit. Washington is a quarterback and another receiver away. I, I would love, if the Deshaun Watson rumors are true, I would love to see Washington make a run at Deshaun Watson. As a fan, get I'm all for it. Sign me up. Get Deshaun Watson, another receiver to go with Terry McLaurin. They have Antonio Gibson. The defense, it looks like the Niners defense from a year ago. Obviously not quite as good yet, but along it's, it's getting there with the defensive linemen and the secondary. And that's a winnable division. You don't know what the Eagles are going to be. The Giants improved this year, but they're still, you know, average at best. And the Cowboys, they, who knows? 
Washington's a very winnable division. So if they could somehow grab Deshaun Watson, it would make them division favorites in my eyes. And then uh, Tampa Bay. Again, find a way to win. Might not be might not be pretty, but Tom Brady in the postseason, it's going to be hard for me to bet against Tom Brady in the postseason. Uh, you know, they did what they had to do. It wasn't flashy, but they scored plenty of points. And on to New Orleans. It should be a great game, Breeze and Brady. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think the Bucks are still championship contenders? Yeah, anytime you have Tom Brady leading the way, and the weapons, I call them the Avengers because they're, they, they have a pro bowler like every position on offense in, in terms of the skill players. The offensive line protects Brady. If Brady has time to throw, you're going to get picked apart as a defense. So are they the contender in the NFC? I'm not so sure about that, but they can definitely still win a couple of games and get to the Super Bowl and win it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think honestly – Antonio Brown has become the biggest acquisition out of all those names that they've brought in. I think him and his connection with Brady has really just taken off these past couple of weeks, especially Mike Evans being out for a majority of the game uh, the week before. And it really just established his ability to that. I mean, he's going to be carving up every cornerback to uh, the secondary cornerback in this postseason. Antonio Brown was on a hall of fame pace in Pittsburgh and if they got just anything from him in Tampa Bay it was going to be a plus but if they get you know what is close to Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh it makes them so much better yeah without a doubt and as you mentioned they're going to be taking on the Saints the Saints it didn't look like this was a game that was really in question at all I mean Chicago that score was 21 to 9 Chicago scored a garbage time touchdown at the end but Chicago realistically only scored three points and the Saints, pretty, the Saints defense has been legit all year. They really showcased it again. And I feel like for me, that trick play that where Wims drops the touchdown really just pretty much threw away Chicago's chances of even competing in that game. Did it feel like after that moment, kind of the sales kind of gone away at that point? Yeah, that's a backbreaker. If, you, if you're in the Bears position, you're trying to upset a team that's better than you on the road, even without – the capacity crowd on the road, you're going to need a play or two like that to work for you. You need like a big play to spark something and it didn't happen. I also thought that they really didn't let Trubisky, you know, take many shots down the field. I don't know why. And you, especially when you have a target like Allen Robinson, maybe it's because of the new Orleans secondary, but I thought the play calling was very conservative. Um, But yeah, I, you got to have plays like the trick play work for you in that situation when you're trying to beat a better team didn't work and the better team won. Yeah, absolutely. And I think new Orleans, they're still, they're still trying to figure themselves out. Like they mentioned it earlier, like before that game, Thomas Camara and breeze had only played like 80 snaps together, something absurd like that the entire year. So they're still going to be ascending going into next week. And I think that's going to be a really intriguing matchup. Breeze versus Brady. They told the two old guys are going to be going at it to be have a spot in the NFC Championship, right? Yeah, it should be a really good one. We got a pretty good one week one. And the Saints opened up a can on uh, the Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football, I believe. Yep. It should be interesting. I don't think it's going to be a blowout again. But if I had to pick, I would probably say the Saints, but closer than the last time. 
Yeah, and then just going back to Chicago, do they clean house? Do they let they got to get rid rid of Nagy and Trubisky, right? I would. What about the GM though, too? Yeah, like full clean. That's what I mean. Full, full, full clean house. I wouldn't rule it out. I people talking about how Trubisky played well at the end of the season. Well, yes, he did. You can only play who's in front of you, but you also have to realize who he played against. There's three of the worst defenses in the league. Uh I, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer. I wouldn't be surprised if they clean house. I wouldn't be surprised if they just don't bring Trubisky back. I wouldn't be surprised if Nagy and Trubisky are gone, but the GM stays. There's going to be big changes in Chicago. The amount, I'm unsure of, though. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, as you mentioned, defense can win championships, and that Bears defense is easily good enough to keep their team in it. Every, they kept their team in it every game to have a chance to win, regardless if it was Foles or Trubisky. Yeah, the year the year uh, Cody Parkey double doinked against the Eagles, that defense, that defense could have carried a team to a Super Bowl with better quarterback play. That team was a quarterback away from being at least in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, no doubt. Now, Josh, I want to get your perspective. I know you got a little bit of bias towards your Cleveland writing for the Cleveland Sports Talk as well. What outside of that game? What is the most intriguing uh, divisional round that you're going to be looking at? I like we talked about Saints Buccaneers and for obvious reasons that one appeals Brady Breeze three, but I kind of like Bill's Ravens, Josh I, I Allen, agree. I agree. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, two quarterbacks in the 2018 draft class. Who's going to get their second playoff win? Similar styles of play between the two teams. Obviously not exactly identical, but similar. Which quarterback is going to make the plays to win his team the game? That's what I'm most intrigued to see. Yeah, and I think the Bills fans are very disappointed that you guys ended up winning this weekend because they were definitely trying to avoid Baltimore at all costs. Yeah, Lamar Lamar Jackson is is hot. He's on fire. And so is the Ravens offense. J.K. Dobbins, I think, has scored in seven straight games or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. J.K. Dobbins just a quick side note on him. If he was in a situation where he was RB1 from the beginning, I think he would be in serious contention for offensive rookie of the year. That guy I thought was the best running back in the last draft class, even better than Taylor. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Dobbins is a stud. Lamar Jackson, Jacob Dobbins in the same backfield. Headaches if you're a defensive coordinator. And now they're starting to throw the ball. Hollywood Brown is a deep shot or just, get him the ball on a quick screen or across the middle and watch him run. Bill's Ravens is going to be a slugfest, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, that I, that's the game I've been kind of raving about too because that game could go either way. It could be a defensive slugfest where it's 10-3, or that game could be easily be like 42-38 with how those offenses when they get humming. So it'll be a really interesting matchup. Um, Josh, we're going to transition now to the national championship. I know you, you Cleveland guy, Ohio. I want to just get your overall impression of what happened last night. It was an absolute demolition that took place by the Alabama Crimson Tide, 52 to 24. And it felt like after that, that second quarter, the game was really separated and put away. What, did, what were your overall impressions of Ohio State getting into the playoff, playing so many less games? And then how good is this Alabama team in retrospect to all these other Alabama teams that Saban's won with? The mission statement, I don't know if it's the official mission statement, but in my eyes, I believe the college football playoffs duty is to put the four best teams in the country in the playoff. 
Ohio State this season was one of those four best teams. Amount of games played regardless, doesn't matter. Ohio State, you saw, beat down Clemson, took it to Trevor Lawrence, thoroughly outplayed them. They're one of the four best teams in the country. So I didn't think that there really should be any worry on the uh, on the on behalf of Buckeyes fans about getting into the playoffs. People were talking about how they didn't, you know, look incredible against Northwestern, but you got to realize that it is a top 12 team. I think they were at that point and they beat them by double digits. Can't hang 40 on everybody, especially without your top wide receiver. So a double digit win against a top 15 team in the conference championship I can only do you favors. It can't make you put you in any worse of a position. So they should have been in regardless. Alabama. That's the best offensive Alabama team I've seen. But I think by far. Uh, they've come a long way from Blake Sims at quarterback the last time Ohio State and Alabama played. Devontae Smith, uh, he is incredible. He isn't, the, like he said in his Heisman speech, he isn't the biggest guy, he isn't the quickest guy, but he just gets open. And when he gets the ball in his hands, good luck tackling him. Alabama defense, you know, isn't as star-studded as we've been accustomed to, but still really, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Alabama, I thought, was the better team coming in. Ohio State needed to get multiple stops and probably a couple turnovers, and they did not. They only got one, and they got a couple stops, and one of them was in garbage time. So kudos to Alabama. Better team. And, I, you know, it's, it's always nice when you see the best team holding the trophy at the end of the season, regardless of the sport. But kudos to Ohio State. Five months ago, they didn't even know if they were going to be playing at all. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields, legend in Ohio State books, in, in my mind. And, you know, a great college football season. Months ago, we didn't think we would even get here. So it's great to see we crowned a champion and got all the way through the season. Yeah, absolutely. Kudos to every uh, commissioner and all their conferences just to be able to even have a season. It was a great opportunity that we were able to see crown a champion last night. And in my opinion, I agree with you hundred percent. Like that is one of that is Saban's best offense that he will ever be able to coach. And you know, that's scary when Jalen Waddle only played half the season and that's just, and they, their offense still continued to ascend after Waddle went down. And I think Devonte Smith, he's going to be without a doubt. He's not going to make it past the top three picks at, at wide receiver at, in general, I think he's clearly pushed himself as the number one wide receiver over his SEC counterpart, Jamar Chase, who ended up not playing this season. So I think he ended up took it, taking advantage, and he has all the tools. He's got kick returner, punt returner. He's Apparently he's got, from what I've been hearing from Saban, he had the best hands that a wide receiver has had. And I think having Jerry Judy under his wing as the best route runner, you can see his route running and extremely improved this year too. Devonte Smith is going to be an absolute superstar. Hopefully the injury to his hands, not as bad as people think it is. So prayers up for him, but absolutely just an un incredible season for Alabama. And I got one more question for you, Josh, before you go, what is your overall, did the four, did it, did the four get for the college football playoff get decided correctly? Especially there's been a lot of rumors last night. Notre Dame was trending about how the game was going with Ohio State giving up 35 in the first half when Notre Dame only gave up 31 for the game. Yeah, Twitter Twitter's always very, very quick in their reactions. I always 
I, I have to sometimes log off Twitter during big games because people just instantaneous reactions when there's still plenty of time left to go. Even like I during the Browns game, I put I put my phone down, phase down, didn't check it from start to finish. Um, did they get it right? Alabama, obviously. Duh. Uh, Clemson, yes. Ohio State, yes. Notre Dame, there's a lot of a lot of buzz about Notre Dame. But like, who else were you gonna put in? Texas A&M got destroyed by Alabama. Yes, Ohio State did also. But you're gonna tell me that A&M's are to be in it over Ohio State. You tell me A&M's gonna beat Clemson. I don't think so. Cincinnati, I feel bad for. I they they are exhibit A or B in why the playoffs should expand possibly in the future. But I think they put the four best teams in the country in. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Josh, I want to thank you for coming on, taking some time out of your Tuesday to come on and join Final Whistle. Great having you on. We can definitely do this again soon. And maybe we'll do maybe we'll do something for like a little pregame for the Browns Chiefs game. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, that's another edition of Final Whistle, everybody. Look out for me on Friday as we're going to be diving into every AFC uh, uh, NFL divisional game and we'll break those down for you. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.